welcome on in. Enzwell Boxing, Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at enswellpod at pearlhandmail.com. Welcome on in indeed. Second short episode of the week with so many fights going on, so many cards and just so many Irish boxers busy. I felt it would be the best bet to have the feature guest, of course, who was Mark Dunlop on the early episode of the week and then to have a little bit of a look back over the shoulder at what went on last weekend and before and of course then a huge look forward to the two big fights of the of the weekend on Saturday night which of course Katie Taylor versus Delphine Pursoon and a small matter of Dillian White, Alexander Povetkin. So pop in those earphones, turn it up, sit back and relax and give me the privilege and the pleasure of breaking it down to the very best of my ability. Where the best place to start? Generally I suppose at the beginning as the fella says uh, we had a big Wednesday night card last week MTK's I think it was their first show of post lockdown it was of course in the studios in Wakefield and we had three Irish fighters featured on that card we had Dublin hard hitting prospect fast climbing the ranks and bringing a lot of eyes and a lot of attention Pierce Big Bang O'Leary with the public nuisance Belfast Sugar Sean McComb and of course topping the card was King Kong himself John O'Carroll now let me just put a little asterisk on this anybody that heard last week's episode probably wondered what I was making a big deal about, why I was talking about it, why I chose to make the point that the importance of focus, it's kind of obvious I'll focus for boxers and for all sports people. Well, yes, it is, of course, obvious, and it is something that they do at that at certain points of their career, be able to do switch on and off automatically. But people forget people have a tendency over the last few weeks and months to think that because these guys and girls are on TV, because they look and their actions and their uh, lifestyle and everything that they do are superhuman looking at times, people tend to forget that these are human beings. They're men. They're women. They go through all the same emotions and more that you and I and anybody else. Uh, The slightest slip in their preparation, the slightest just fall off in approach or mindset or prep on the fight night itself could cause just that minuscule setback. In these times, a small setback can cause prove costly in fights and long term then with a view to fights and career and everything else because we don't know what's coming after these series of fights. There hasn't been anything announced post uh, too far ahead anyway, shall we say. If I'm being honest, and I'm going to be honest because that's what I try to be, um, I was worried about Pierce, and um, the last-minute change of opponent went from being an orthodox fighter to a southpaw opponent. His first six-round fight, and a willingness on Pierce's behalf to entertain and to be impressive, and to look good, whilst also, of course, getting the W. Just sometimes, just listen. I've seen enough fights, as I said last week. I've seen enough of them over the years to to give me that little pause for concern, and maybe. I think the the Joshua thing was a little tap on the shoulder for all of us uh, outside observers as well to warn us and make us wary that no matter who you are or where you are that you've got to get it all right and all boxes got to be ticked in the night. I needn't have worried about Pierce. Needn't have worried. He, um, he turned in a measured 
performance, uh, showing vast improvements since moving across to work beside Quivi Nidjarko at Ibox under Alan Smith. Uh, careful and uh, cautious coach who, who, who doesn't leave anything to chance. Everything about Pierce O'Leary, 20 years of age, is mature. Beyond his years, his shape, his style, even the interviews he's done before and since. He's a special talent, a, a super special talent, who has brought himself a new edge and uh, by moving across to London. And, and just look at that for a second. 20 years of age. Where were you when you were 20? What were you doing? I know where I was. <laughs> I know what I was doing. And then more to the point, I know what I wasn't doing. I wasn't moving away from home and living in a foreign country. That is a fact. So credit to him for that step alone. Taking himself outside the comfort zone into a, a new environment in a different country. Add into that COVID-19, lockdown and all that went in between. Anybody, I've seen grown adults over the last few days and weeks and, I can, and I'm not going to go into it too depth here, but I will, I promise you, in the next episode, um, talk about the behaviour and lack thereof of some people, adults that should know better over the last few days and weeks. And they like to blame COVID for it. But listen, getting off the beaten track here, Pierce, everything he did was at his own pace, was in his own frames, was in his own time. He was not so keen to rely over-rely on his ferocious power, which he has an abundance of. He stalked Jacob Quinn. Um, he was wary of him, but he wasn't worried. He picked his shots, crippling to the body. And then when he did manage to stop him and stand him up straight, stunned him to the head. He showed an, so much more, so much more. It was a very, very, very rounded performance by Pierce O'Leary. It really was now. And and, and not that I'm, I'm, I shouldn't say that I'm surprised. I'm just saying I'm, absolutely delighted for him and I'm delighted that all the risk all the calculated risks he's taken over the last few weeks have paid off because it was for me I would I know you're going to hear lots of cliches and there was lots of different for me pound for pound and everything else that was going on I believe that was one of the best that was the best performance I genuinely do in fact himself and Paddy Donovan probably by virtue of this one going a little bit farther we'll give it I'll give it to Piers I will say that um, then of course on the same card next up we had uh, dancing uh, Sean McComb the bird is the word entering the ring oh, I mean again you can't be surprised by Sean because everything he does he does it his way and uh, one of these days I believe maybe we'll hear him enter the ring or we'll see him enter the ring maybe for a world title fight or, or a title fight uh, to my way because he, he does his own unique thing and he does it in a way that he makes his own you, me and most other normal fellas would look ridiculous doing the birdie dance to birds the word on the way to the ring. But no, he wears it and not only that, he makes it look cool. He was a personal nuisance for Shar Ozgul. Uh, it would be easy and lazy to say it was his best win because every one of his performances over the last while as he stepped up in those last few fights uh, have been classy, been controlled and this is the latest in a steady succession of improved showings by Sean McComb. I believe there's still more in him. I believe he knows that too. And, and everything he says and does, and anytime I message him or speak with him off air and, and in the background, he's confident, he's assured. But he's not cocky, I would say. Certainly not from my dealings with him. Uh, Osgood had been in with so many big names in the past, two of, the, two of which, of course, Victor Postel, Anthony Yigget. Um, he was controlled from the outset by, by uh, Sean McComb for the most of the contest. Maybe a couple of rounds in the middle there, around four or five, where 
did he take a bit of time out? Did he take a, take a bit of a rest? Whatever. Uh, yeah, we can't be too disingenuous to Osgold. He was game and he did his best and maybe won one or two rounds mid. I didn't see the scorecards. I can't just remember them. But uh, as I said, bird is the word. His movement in the ring was similar as well at times when he decided to get on the bike and then when he decided to dig his toes into the canvas and stand and throw those hurtful, spiteful shots. It all added to the same. It all added and painted the big picture where Sean McCone goes to 11-0. and 0. And now, again, to surprise us all, and shouldn't be, I guess, he's going to lightweight, where he will set up some eye-catching fights at that level. So, well done to Sean McComb as well. Another brilliant performance. Even an eye gouge by the referee at the end couldn't deny him what was a, 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 an emphatic win. Concerns. So those concerns that I expressed, again, I'm being honest, the very last one on my mind, the very last one, in fact, if anyone had suggested it to me, I would have laughed at them. King Kong. Um, it's easy in hindsight to look at this fight and say there were warning signs. It's very easy, and I'm not going to do it because that's what um, Buncee would call being a half the timer. I didn't. I, I I just believed that following his big wins, following his steady crescendo, that he is growing. He looked sensational at the weigh-in. He was everything looked. He's his usual bubble, bubbly self in front of the media and social media and everywhere else. So, I guess the signs were maybe looking a little bit too much at Colin and Carl Frampton getting involved in some outside of the ring stuff with John Joe Nevin albeit on social media and whatever else of course he has his business and everything else going on in the background but again and here's the funny side where I say I try to err on the side of caution you don't take anything for granted and you don't assume that a fighter regardless of his experience will allow any of those outside influences to impact on his prep now he can't say for sure and I'm sure as shit ain't going to try but his own words, he felt sluggish. He felt off colour. He wasn't himself. And let me just absolutely counter that by saying nothing, nothing, nothing can, should or will be taken from Maxi Hughes for his win. You heard Mark Dunlop in that last episode. If you haven't heard it, I'll stick the no- link in the notes. Uh, talk about his incredible um, dedication, commitment and just how what a, a proper seasoned pro Maxi Hughes is and how long he's been around and, and how, how much he's helped so many fighters over the years probably at the cost of himself at times but it seemed while it seemed to most of us maybe his career was on the, on the way and maybe on the way to the downside and this was maybe a tick over fight for Jono and while Maxi's had his few losses it didn't show on the night it didn't and when, when he brought the fire and hellstone that Maxi Hughes brings and is renowned for, we're being honest, and I'm not being personal or critical, overly critical, Jono didn't have any answers for it. He didn't have what he usually comes back with. He didn't match it and then up it. For whatever the reasons for that, only he'll be able to find that out. What happens next for either of them, I don't know. I want to say to Jono, nothing... I won't say nothing is lost in defeat. It, it, it's certainly going to set him back a step. But I would say a carefully chosen opponent, a very well staged fight at a very well placed time or picked chosen time will get him back without a shadow of a doubt if he's able to get back to where his performance left off against Scott Quigg. Maxi Hughes, I would hope for his sake he gets the just reward of a lifetime and a career committed to the sport, dedicated and a performance of the career without a doubt. I can say from the limited bit I've seen of Maxi 
And I want to give a special shout out to my old pal Sean O'Hagan, who of course was his um, trainer for the night, was his trainer, was in his corner and uh, was absolutely over the moon. And so he should be. So he should be. So well done to Maxie Hughes and the team. Commiserations to Jono. Well done to the other two lads. And what was a reasonably good card, I have to say. Reasonably good card. And uh, wasn't uh, overshadowed. The two lads' great wins and performances wasn't overshadowed by Jono's disappointing performance. Because we know Jono has delivered so many good ones in the past. And the odds are he'll do this all again. That, of course, brought us up to Friday night. Now, I've covered that in the previous episode. I've drank all the Kool-Aid. I've got a little bit drunk on the Kool-Aid. Uh, it's no secret that Eric Donovan, of course, killed our man. That's where I'm based here. This is where I'm born, bred and reared, as the Irish fellas like to say. Uh, it was a brilliant performance. It was a brilliant fight, I think. It had a little bit of everything. And, and it was... Um, I wanted to... Re- just briefly, without getting too deep into it again, it was um, a shot in the arm. It was a breath of fresh air and all... All the things that Irish boxing needed at the time Irish boxing needed. The way the lads, Kenny and Eric, spoke all week, they just they just displayed everything that's good about this sport. Everything that's... I don't want to have to mind my language here because I do get a little bit passionate. If the newest, the wannabe Paul Williams of the media world cared to research and project the sport in a balance, at least a balanced way, they would see that the badness that they'd write about on a daily basis, regurgitated every day, it's it's so minuscule by comparison that it's 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 unfair to label boxing with the um, with what they do. But it is what it is. As I said, the lads represented, and they wiped away a lot of the stains that have been um, particularly brought by one 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 newspaper in particular. They're represented in style and their actions, I believe, won't be forgotten in any time soon by Irish fight fans and fight fans around England and, and Europe and anybody that tuned in. I think the fight itself might not have been something that the casuals would have been... Ah, I suppose it would have been a little bit tricky for casual fans to tune in from the football and look at it and say, oh yeah, 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 they like to see the action fights. They like to see, of course, they got their... Um, showreel stoppage and their knockout by Zalfa Barrett and um, that was something else in the build up to I was very aware of and very conscious of Zalfa Barrett is one, is as nice a fella as Eric is and has, a, has as nice and genuine a story as Eric does so I was never ever getting into mudslinging always conscious of, of um, the winner of the fight was going to absolutely earn it and was going to deserve it and he did and does so congrats to Team Barrett congrats to the Brown Flash Congrats to Lily White Lightning. I'm, I've chatted a little bit in a message to him during the week. I wanted to leave it. Didn't want to be in touch tormenting him too soon. But if I know Eric as well as I... I won't say I know him that well, but as well as I think I do, I wouldn't be... Uh, I, and if I was a gambling man, I'd say there's been at least one session under the belt of some sort this week already. It was a long week at that stage. It had seemed a long week. I suppose, again, as I said, because I was uh, guzzling the Kool-Aid all week, the Lily White Lightning Kool-Aid. And... Uh, York Hall was the venue for Frank Warren's latest instalment of post-lockdown boxing. And it was and always, whatever it is about, as, as we're really getting, the UK and the promoters are showing um, tremendous, tremendous uh, post-lockdown fights. They're showing brilliant presentations, they're showing brilliant uh, visuals. And uh, if the two of them do manage to actually combine and work together, I can only imagine what they'll come up with. But your call looked sensational the other night. And first up on the night, of course, was young Limerick welterweight under the charge of Andy Lee, Paddy Donovan. 
And again, for me, it was a tie-up with himself and uh, Pierce O'Leary. Not that there's any great prizes for a performance of the of the weekend or anything as such. It's just it was the eye-catching one. He had, a, I think it was less than two minutes stoppage. He went across, across the ring with absolute evil intent and stopped his opponent, who I don't believe has been down too often, if, if even stopped. He absolutely stopped him in his tracks, knocked him down, left him writhing in such a way. We haven't seen, uh, uh, well, I haven't seen one like it. I don't think I've seen one like it since uh, Gennady Golovkin did something similar to our own Matthew Macklin uh, a good few years ago. But uh, it was a it was a it was a sensational shot. It was delivered with absolute spite, and uh, I was chatting to Paddy afterwards on Instagram. Paddy doesn't like to do an awful lot of talking. He likes to let his fist do the talking. And listen, when your fist talk like Paddy Donovan's, you're the real deal. So we will have him on the podcast. He has assured me of that. And whenever he's ready, I'll be ready. Great win for him. Great win. Really, really cultured. Really well delivered. And. Uh, there's not much you can you can't really go on too much about a two minute stoppage, but uh, just another another eye catching one, and he is getting just as much as Pierce O'Leary is in a different way. They're bringing eyes on themselves with these performances. Mick Conlon had things pretty much all his own way. It was a brilliant matchup, and they really are. You know what these matches are reminding me of? The way they're matching Mick Conlon along the way um, is very much. I won't say the same, but it reminds me somewhat of how Josh Taylor was matched by the McWiggins. Um, not that long ago either. They're finding good foes, they're finding good opponents at good times for Mick Conlon. Now, some people are never seem to be happy with what they see from Mick Conlon. Okay, now listen, nobody can judge Michael Conlon any more than he can. Nobody can criticise, nobody can expect any more from him than he or his team does. Right? And, and anyone that thinks they can or thinks they see or know more, I suggest you just kind of step back a little bit. And if you want a little insight into what goes into making a world-class amateur, right? He was a world-class amateur, a world champion, European champion, all the thing, everything there was to win, okay? Everything. What you, if you want to know what goes into turning that from the amateur top into the top of the pro game, have a listen to a show, an interview that Adam Booth did not so long ago, last week, with Mike Costello. And Mike Costello, for me, is the best boxing pundit out there. And if you're going to do anything and you want to try and vary it up and enjoy the fights on Saturday night, you could do worse than tune into BBC Five Live. Mike Costello, of course, the Irish connection. and uh, But he delivers fight commentary like nobody else. Whether it's the beginning of a fight, the end of a fight, his everything about him. Everything. It's just, I don't believe in perfection, but... Not too far off it. Not too far off it. But as I said, it was a it was a really good matchup. Um, Takut had been in with some seasoned opponents. Of course, in Josh Warrington in his last fight, and uh, Josh got him out of there. He was the man possessed that night. He had a lot of things in his head that night, and uh, ill intent was one. He got him out of there. Mick Mick went through the ranges. He went through the motions. He, I won't say went through the motions. He went through the gears. That's exactly what I went, and he showed the different aspects of what he's learning. It was a more accomplished, it was a more rounded, it was a more seasoned, uh, mature performance is the word I wanted. And anyone who didn't, as I said, like it, I, I, I don't know what to say. I genuinely don't know what to say. He promised to prefer a, a best performance of his professional career, and for me, that's what we got. He did the same uh, pretty much the last time out. Where he goes from here is super bantamweight in his bid to win the first of what he wants to be his three weight world titles and who would bet against him on that showing 
there'll be some flavour, some tasty little spicy fights for him down there at Super Bantam. I would say it's not a bad move right now when he can make the weight um, because the older he gets, it's going to be a little bit more tricky. A shout out to Jamie, who I got a message from on, on a Saturday when I released the episode and, or early in the week, yeah, with Mark Dunlop and uh, it was nice to see. So keep an eye out for Jamie too. I've op- Mike is open here for him and, and uh, he has informed me he'll be on as soon as possible. Brought us up nicely to the... Uh, the seasoned old man of the te- of the night. Did anyone ever believe that they'd see the point of the career where Carl Frampton would be the elder lemon of the Irish boxing scene? Not that it takes anything from him, from what he's done and from what he is still doing. Um, I guess there was a little bit of worry going into that fight. For me, as I said many times before, Carl is my favourite fighter. Has been since Andy Lee hung up the gloves. And uh, he just he's a class act in, in the ring. He's a class act out of the ring. He has a little bit of everything. He has a little bit of spite. He has a little bit of class. He has a little bit of the boldness that he needs to have as well when it's when it's called on. But uh, the other night, for me, going into the fight, it was tempered a little bit, but I guess it's always it's one of those he can't really win because if he beats Trainer emphatically, he's supposed to do that. If he takes his time and, and plays with him a little bit and then finishes him, well, he should have done it sooner. So I guess for me, what I wanted to see was those two hands held up, which I believe they did. Uh, there wasn't any massive damage. There wasn't any anything closed. Because let's face it, some of the look that we say, that the look of the Irish, I don't know what you'd call it, the look that Carl Frampton has had over the last few years. but And uh, almost almost struck again in the build-up to this fight, but it didn't. And what did strike again was, and anyone that's not sure of, or anyone that has any doubts about uh, the damage and the uh, <laughs> what, what Darren Trainer faced in that opposite side, uh, just have a listen to this. listen to those shots and hear the impact of them on the reaction from Darren Trainer. Remind yourself that those are coming from a fella who's five foot five and who's around about 130 pounds and uh, not Mike Tyson, not heavyweight. You can hear the impact, you can hear the effect and eventually they were too much and it took Carl Frampton to another win, got him out of the ring, got him busy, got, a, got some of the cobwebs blown off and uh, hopefully we'll see another one from him. For me personally I'd like to see another one from him before he does eventually face if he does eventually face Jamel Herring, the um, I that's just a personal point. That's just my personal preference. I'm sure, I'm fairly sure from what I'm reading and what we're seeing that uh, once Herring gets his next win under his belt, the two are probably going to meet. When, where, and how, we'll have to keep an eye on that. And certainly, unless you're um, a GAA fan or a Hurling fan or a rugby fan and you've no interest in boxing, I think everybody in the world knows what's going on this weekend. And uh, I think there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of um, big words and big talk and a lot of pontificating. And there's, there's a, again, there's an awful lot of pundits who you would expect to know better, who are getting themselves, involving themselves in a debate that's none of their business. Really and truly, they want to talk about women and three-minute rounds and everything else. Just, just listen just enjoy what you're seeing because up to now they've been saying the quality hasn't been great we've had two cracking weekends boxing with with across the board with little or no um negatives so why look for one when there's none yeah that's that's the way i'm looking at it if there's a decision to be made on three three minute rounds somewhere along the line let the let the experts make it 
not let the um, the likes of me or the likes of anybody else sitting behind a microphone. It's nothing to do with us. It's up to the experts and the fighters and for them all to consult and get it between them and make a decision for the best, for the best, not for the viewers or not for the experts, quote-unquote, behind the mics. So, Katie Taylor, Delphine Pursuit met last June, I believe the 1st of June. I remember it very well, very, very well. I was, uh, I was amped up, I was hyped. Wasn't, um, wasn't that long into the podcasting. Finding my feet, was excited, nervous and delighted when it finally came around. Of course, nobody could have known it was going to be the precursor for a sensational stoppage by Andy Ruiz and all that followed after that. But what it delivered on the night was a fight for the ages. And I'm not even going to... I'm not going. I'm just going to leave it there. I left a fight for the ages. I believe when the history books are written, closed, put on the shelf in however long, uh, that that fight will be one of the ones mentioned by all and anybody who saw it. And if you were lucky enough to be at it, and you were lucky enough to be anywhere there to sample that sensational atmosphere that absolutely gripped us and I'll never forget the one of the one of the most there were so many standout moments but uh, one of them was in my adrenaline filled I suppose under the um, influence a little bit as well and of course trying to keep in contact with a very very trusted confidant of mine who was uh, I would say close to um, an expert opinion Um, we were we were conversing backwards and forwards in text watching the fight hyped to the nines on that night, I'll never forget, as they came out and touched for the last round, when the camera panned back, and I've said this before, panned out, and you get to see Madison Square Garden usually probably starting to fill up for the main event, absolutely jammed. And everybody in the place, it seemed, was on their feet. Absolutely in the height of it. The two women met in the middle of the ring and they continued on for the last, as they did for the previous nine. A sensational fight. Now, I want to give a little bit of a... I want to roll it back a little bit here because I got myself into some, I won't say into some bother because the beauty of podcasting is it's a, it's a free free reign. It's an open page, an open book. It's a blank page. You get to voice your opinions and that's what pretty much it always is. That's all it is at the best of times. And I did go in hard. I went in very hard and I didn't stand by 99.9% of what I said afterwards. It grinded my gears and it boiled my frog somewhat. That Irish journalists, not all of them, which is what I'm getting to, but some saw fit to converse with the loser of the fight, who was Delphine Persoon. Now on the night I thought Katie had got a gimme decision. I genuinely thought when I was that wrapped up in it and everything else, wasn't seeing it clearly. So I watched it back the next morning, twice, full on geek mode. 75% the first time I watched it speed, 50% the second time I scored. 6-4 each time I watched it. And I saw something different each time. And I guarantee you, I'm going to watch it again later on. And I'm going to see something different. How did I score the fight? How did I break down the fight? This is something that not many people are willing to do. Not many people have in the build-up to this one. I'm going to do it here for you. Okay. And I'm going to read out the notes that I made on the night. And this is something that um, I like to keep notes from every fight and every episode that I do. So in the first round, my notes tell me. Katie was fighting tall. Her upper body movement. Good. She's changing levels, landing flurries, footwork was on point, distance was pretty much locked in. Once or twice she got caught on the way out. Pursuing, 
she's strong, she's physical, she's trying to get on the inside, she's moving side to side and she's loading up on her shots, overextending on those shots and uh, looked to tie up and spoil and did, on two occasions, foul. Okay, that's something I'm going to come to in a second. Second round, Katie's feet were wide, stance very wide, balanced, strong, Pursuing was all, feet were almost square, very much almost square and that's another thing you're going to see a lot of. She was reaching in, three punch combinations, Katie was moving a lot, moving in and out, Pursuing punching again to the back of the head using the dark arts almost turning southpaw by accident as her feet were so badly placed the last 30 seconds Katie gets sucked in and this was the first sign of what was to come Pursuing landed some combinations at range heavy 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 lead shots to the head Uh, the commentators were fooled by the last 30 seconds is the note I have here that's another thing you're going to watch out for watch the whole round it's not too hard to keep an eye on what's going on in two minutes okay I'm not going to go through every one of them but um, suffice to say, I'm going to pick the two more key rounds that I thought. I scored the fight, okay? Round 1, 10-9 Katie. Round 2, 10-9 Katie. Round 3, 10-9 Pursun. Round 4, 10-9 Katie. Round 5, 10-9 Pursun. Round... where am I? Round 5, round 6, 10-9 Katie. Round 7, 10-9 Pursun. 8, 10-9 Pursun. 9, very, very, very important... 10-9 Katie and round 10-10-9 Pursun as I said 6-4 I had it scored at and that's it in its basic the two key rounds I want to come to I'm not going to go through every one of the notes but key round for me round 6 I have here in a, in a little box scribbled her best round a minute in she's controlled the distance she's timed her shots she's landed combinations to the body to the head she is boxing absolute clinic an absolute clinic perfection in the notes I have exactly as she should. She's landing that check hook three, four, five times. Damaged each time. Maximum. Hurt Pursuing a lot. Again, when Pursuing tries to spin her off, she tries to hit her on the back of the head on the outside, but really and truly the levels showed in that round. If you were to pick a round where you showed a vast gap between the skills and the levels, that was it. Round nine, for a different set of reasons, Okay. We saw a very animated Ross in the corner. Very, very animated. He doesn't do it. Very rarely doesn't do it. So, like any quiet man, when he does get animated and he does raise his voice, people tend to listen. Commentary was awful coming up to that. They referred to Katie's combination being ineffective. Uh, throw three to land two. Didn't clearly see what was going on in six and, and, and the build-up to that. Having said all that, Pursuant had won in my scorecard the two rounds building up to that and she was building ahead of steam. If she'd have won this round, she had have won this round pursuing, it would have made the fight 5-4 going into the last and it would have put it all on the line. Now I dare anybody, and I won't say I dare, I'll just say watch round 9 and listen to Ross's words as it goes back out. Listen to what he says and then watch what she does. I don't have them written down exactly what he said but I know for a fact at the time and it's something that stayed with me since that she followed him almost to the latter. Pursuing was chasing, she was trying to force her style. Katie was stepping off, stepping off, but she was getting, she was picking her as she stepped off. Ross's instructions were, here we go, tie her up, step aside, land. Tie her up, step aside and land. She did it to perfection. Almost, again, I would say as close to perfection as you're going to get. So much so at the end of the round, Pursuing looked like um, she just literally cursed herself. She actually cursed into the canvas as she walked back to her corner. It was the it was the winning of the fight for Katie Taylor. It made her six, it put her six four ahead, and uh, it was it was just 
it was it that was the one at the end of the fight I have notes here um, her body language the two of them Katie's body language looked uh, odd very odd because generally we know the emotions that the fighters go through afterwards there are what what really did hit home with me afterwards when I realised and I realise now she was literally exhausted literally exhausted and my good pal Wayne McCullough as I spoke to him last night asking him what to expect for this one he said in, and probably the as, as only a real pro and former world champ can see in a fellow world champ he said it was the first time the very first time that she wasn't able to bully dominate and dictate the term of the fight that Pursuing was able to get inside her rough her up, rough her up and force her style on the fight and it told at the last bell I thought it was a disappointment I thought she was looking I thought Katie looked disappointed in herself but no it wasn't to me at the time again we can never know for sure with the lady herself but uh, for me it was a case of just pure sheer exhaustion she won the fight 6-4 and it all began from there again I want to say to the fellas to the journalists and everybody else that I had a go on I wasn't talking about the likes of Gav I wasn't talking about the likes of Kev I wasn't talking about the likes of Jerry I was talking about people who pick up boxing when they've got nothing else to do and they write about it and they uh, they take up the uh, social justice warrior stance and follow the leader or follow the loser and offer re- rematches and everything else let's, let's, let's look at some of the points that I have written ahead of this fight okay ahead of this weekend's fight, okay, the key things that are going to make this undisputed weekend, the timing of it, we've got COVID-19, we've got the boxing landscape around the world, particularly in Ireland, okay, it's what these are what's going to make these fights stand out in the people's memory, even if you're a casual, you're going to remember them, the location, Matchroom Gardens, pretty much, uh, you're not going to see another thing like it, even if they do it next year, the year after, the year after, it's like Italia 90, we can win the World Cup next year, we can win it the year after, There'll never be anything like Italia 90 because it's the first. And it was, such a, it was such a relief when we hadn't expected to see boxing again. People are going to remember these for those reasons. They're going to remember they're for their own reasons. They're standout fights. It's in a standout venue. It has all the background. It's iconic. It's historic. And the events themselves were special. They had the drones. They had the special effects. The fireworks. The ring walk. Who will forget the ring walk of Natasha Jonas and Terry Harper? Who could forget that? Okay. And then the fights themselves, they've been competitive, they've been hard, a little bit stacked for the home fighters, as you would expect, as you would expect. But there's been a story behind every fighter, which is something that I love doing here, and it's something the UFC does to perfection. There's big stakes, big things on, on, on the line for, and futures on the line for some fighters. Let's face it, there is. In terms of Katie Taylor and Delphine pursuing the rematch, let's be honest, and I'm going to be honest, Again, I've said it for the third time in this episode. This fight doesn't happen if Serrano fulfills her obligations. If she does what she's been paid to do. If she's uh, backed up her mouth and done what she's talked about doing. But I believe her sister took that much of a hiding in the previous fight. And again, Amanda Serrano would be a more accomplished fighter. uh, Widely renowned. But um, she hasn't fulfilled her obligations and that will bring its own ramifications further down the line. I don't believe this fight would have happened because I don't believe there was a need for it to happen. But when the Cicerano one fell away, it, it came about and Pursun's, um belief, shall we call it? Yeah, we'll leave it at belief. That uh, she was robbed and that she was uh, some sort of a, an injustice on the night. And uh, I'm going to stand on my record and say no. There was no injustice. It was a brilliant fight. You just weren't good enough. And um, as I said, 
Ken Egan made another great point last weekend in the build-up to Eric's fight. He said, maybe Katie knows more than us. Maybe there was a reason. Whatever the case, she's now got that fight right in front of her. She's got the opponent right in front of her. And she knows in the back of her head, Katie Taylor's worst ever performance still beat Delphine Pursun. So where do you go from there? Um, I believe in this fight, what we're going to see from Katie is a clinic. I think along the lines of what AJ had to do for Ruiz. And I think that is because she can. And it's because she knows she let herself, I won't say let herself down, by her own high standards, by her own unique standards. And let's be honest about this. There's there's lots of words used for fighters. There's lots of words used for... Uh, to to, to just make over overuse of words, I think is the best way I can put it. Pontificate and to exaggerate, and that sounds like a Christy Moore song here now, so it's not. But Katie Taylor is the single most important female in the boxing. End of story. There would be no Olympics, there would be no nothing. And that's very much it in a nutshell. And there's, there's no counter-debate, there's no nothing. And uh, she is... The, uh, after Cecilia Bracas and everything else last weekend, she is now the era incumbent to um, boxing's first lady. But this is going to be a tough fight if she makes it tough. I believe we'll look back to the Linda Ratu fight. I believe we'll see a clinic. She'll keep her on the end of her job. She'll box around her. She will do pretty much, I won't say for the whole fight, but I would say for a large part of the fight and for... Um, yeah, I would say, oh, I'm not going to pick rounds or anything else, but I would say she will punch holes in, in Delphine Pursun. I think Pursun will have her moments. I think she'll rough her way up to the inside where we will look to a decent referee, um, a fair, honest referee, which I think you were never going to get anybody like that last one, where Pursun could very easily have found herself with a point, two points deducted inside the first four to five rounds. Not going to happen this time round. The home fighter, I believe, will dictate, dominate, and uh, ultimately win the fight look for all the dark arts look for all the tricks Pursun is a game fighter she's going to come forward she's going to bring that game that she brings she might try and um, ease her way into the fight rather than start at a million miles an hour but I don't think it matters I think this fight for me it's a it's it's one of those fights where Katie Taylor feels she's something to prove and that hasn't happened very often and I think we're going to be uh, treated to a very very special fight and speaking of treated this my, my guest here today um, was treated the last fight Katie had in Manchester to Linderatu, uh, Christina Linderatu, and her mum and dad uh, brought her across to see her idol, her hero, uh, box in the MEN arena. And she was on the episode not long after that. And safe to say, the young lady, Abby, was absolutely mesmerised. As we all have been at different times of Katie's career, we could never have known at the time that... Uh, this COVID lockdown was going to come and there would be such a delay between Katie's next fight and Abby was all set to go there was going to be Christmas or it was going to be whatever it hasn't been it's been almost a year now Abby Goodman of course is from Limerick and she made her confirmation on Wednesday night and uh, in true fanatic and heroic style in honour of her hero she's held over her party and her celebrations from the confirmation until Saturday where they're going to have a party in the house Mam and Dad will be there and maybe some of the family and stuff. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But Abby joined me on Wednesday night, Thursday night, to tell me all about the confirmation, to tell me about the name she took for the confirmation and what we can expect to see from her hero on Saturday night. 
How are you, Abby? I'm good. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, before we get into the, the important stuff, I want to make sure, Mammy and Daddy, they haven't been driving you nuts during lockdown, have they? They're not much fun at all, are they? No. You can't, just in case anyone is not too sure, Abby can't say a whole lot because Paul is sitting right beside her. And Getting into the important stuff, last night was a big one for you, Abby. And tell the people, tell the listeners what you, what was on last night for you. Um, my confirmation. What name did you take for your confirmation? Katie after Katie. Katie after Katie Taylor. That is incredible. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And was that a, was it a tricky decision or was it easy? No, it was easy. It was easy confirmation and let me tell anybody that hasn't seen the photographs this lady was a knockout she would give the kardashians she'd give all of them a run for their money she looked stunning i thought she was getting married most importantly abby did you make a fortune did you make a whole pile of money you did good stuff good stuff we don't want to say anything no figures mentioned nothing else daddy's looking after all that it's in a safe place don't be worried it's, in, it's under the mattress with all the rest of it isn't it Paul <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in a cheeky pup here and I was saying all that but anyways listen I'm glad it all went well I hope you've had a lovely night it's not it's, it's a little bit trickier in these times but look it's the second most important thing of the week so let's get on to the big one the big one for Abby this week her idol her hero she takes on uh, um she takes on this one um wh- what's your woman's name again? Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that one all right. She she's had a lot to say, hasn't she? How do you think it's going to go on Saturday night? How do you think the fight's going to go? I think it's still going to be hard obviously, but I think she like knows what to do this time. She's yeah. more clever. I think so too. And you remember the fight that you were at? Yeah. How how did she box that night? She was sensational that night, wasn't she? She did exact. I'd say Ross in the corner had her told. I'd say he had her warned. Don't get into a fight. Anyone that's listening to this, Abby will be in the front room, and Ma and Dad will probably be there too. And you'll hear her whatever part of the definitely whatever part of Limerick you're in. You'll definitely hear her wherever you are. And did you watch any of the girls boxing lately, Abby? Um, I watched Terry Harper a week ago, I think. And what did you think of that one? I don't know. Um, I think Terry should have won it for like a point or two, but like, I don't know. Do you think um, if either of them boxed our girl, Katie, how do you think they'd get I don't know. I think Katie would definitely win, though. Um... Do all your friends like watching Katie? Um, I don't know. Some of my friends do, but they don't really watch her. They just listen to me talk about her. Oh, do you talk a bit about her, do you? Yeah. Uh, do you? Would you be? And I'm what would they be thinking? Oh, here she goes again. <laughs> yeah. If 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 I was to ask you now, the best way and the best thing for you to happen on Saturday night for Katie, what way would you like to see the fight go? Would you like to see her um, knock her out? Would you like to see her beat her for 12, 10 rounds? Would you like to see uh, a couple of knockdowns? Oh, if if Abby was to make up how this fight was going to go, you tell us how it was go- how how would it be? Um, I wanted to bowl her whole ten rounds, but like I wanted her to knock her down like a couple of times. Put manners on her. At the very end, my pal Dave is going to stand in the middle. He's going to probably have to pick Pursuing up. 
and he's going to say and the result of the fight <laughs> And there she goes, Abby Goodman. A little bit shy this time around. Uh, Dad was standing beside her, so you know yourself. A little bit more conscious when when the when when the oldies are hanging about. But she's great. She did brilliant, and she will be front and center in front. Don't anybody try and get in front of that little woman tomorrow on Saturday night uh, when this fight comes on, because she will be the absolute front center and in the middle of it all. I did say this would be a shorter episode and it's been a little bit longer than planned but here we go, the main event Dylan White, Alexander Povetkin White is 27-1, and Povetkin is 35-2-1 and uh, Dylan is 31, of course Povetkin is 40 uh, White will be, six, he's 6 foot 4 uh, he's a 2 inch height advantage over Povetkin who is 6 foot 2 and Dylan has a 78 inch reach with Povetkin 75 Dillian's incredible run continues. If this was to if he's to get a win here, he, in, in this order he's beaten Chisora, Hellenius, Lucas Brown, Joseph Parker, Derek Chisora again, Rivas, and Marius Wack in probably his worst professional outing of his career, and still managed to get the win, coming off all the back of all the adversity and everything else. Going to look at the two fighters, and then we're going to wrap it up and let you enjoy it over the weekend. Dillian White, what is there? It's a strange kind of a style. He does like to punch, counter punch. He has natural aggression and natural power, raw, uh, which he has learned to channel and curb and not overextend and rely on too much. But, but, when he does use that maximum torque, he rips vicious left hooks into the body to the head. His shot selection has been improving as he goes. I mean, I think the fight, in my opinion, against Rivas was his best performance by a shot. Tends not to uh, move an awful lot, either forward or backwards. And you could say, I think... I think the description some like to use is he's a boxer puncher. I think for me, when I say Dillian White style, I think people that watch him and know what he's about will know what I mean. He's done a massive amount of work on his, uh, taking huge strides on stamina. He's done a lot of work with the jab and he does real damage when he commits to the jab. But he also builds everything off the jab as most accomplished and good boxers do. And you've got to remember, Dillian White did not have, didn't have an extensive amateur background. Didn't. Uh, he came from a kickboxing background. Uh, for me, his best attributes combined, and you're going to sum them up, okay? You're going to have speed and power, which he mixes and varies with clinical precision. They can be lethal. He's, he, he ups it, downs it, he dictates the pace. It's like a metronome built in, and uh, he, he just he knows how to read the fight. Uh, as well out of the ring, he's super intelligent. His IQ, his ring IQ, he reads the fight. With a tall opponent, small opponent, he knows how to work the body or whatever the case may be. To round it all out for Dillian White, I believe he's tough, he's game, he's durable and he's as honest, probably the most honest heavyweight on the scene right now. He comes to fight all the time, every time. As he says himself, he's the can man. Uh, Look for him to have periods of control in the fight, cause a lot of damage. There's going to be violent, it's not going to be nice, they're certainly not going to be cuddling each other. These guys are not are not big teddy bears. Povetkin is in sensational shape. But bear in mind, he's 40 years of age. And the shape that he's in, going to bring questions of, of its own. He's a pressure fighter. His main weapon is counter-punching. His opponent's jab particularly likes to time it, especially if they're that little bit taller, which Dillian is. That said, he can't really be pigeonholed. You can't put any one label on him. I think if I was to sum him up, he would say he's not world-class at any one particular style or any one particular uh, skill but he does everything pretty brilliant he does everything pretty pretty good and better than most he is uh, against the taller Dillian White watch out for Povetkin trying to cut the ring off 
he'll try to keep Dillian at mid-range which will then allow him to get off those best shots and the ones that he likes to use and that he selects very, very well. He's an Olympic medal, gold medalist. He's a sensational amateur background. He's been on this scene for a long time. He's been in with the very, very best. His early career looked like he was going to be... looked what it was. It was pretty special. And then he ran, of course, into a peak Vladimir Klitschko where he got jabbed and hugged and uh, it was very it was very messy it wasn't nice at all but his record is pretty it's 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 more than impressive it's it's the best of what's out there and this is a gateway fight we know now we know now as per the episode title here undisputed whoever wins Katie Taylor pursuit will be the undisputed as Katie is right now there is no dispute never has been and Dillian will be if he wins this the undisputed mandatory challenger for the WBC title against Tyson Fury or Deontay Back to Povetkin. The favourite shots, his tricks. He likes to a slip the opponent's jab. Let go a huge big left to the body or to the head. Generally when it's followed very, very fast and close behind by an overhand right. He's comfortable on the inside. He's very comfortable on the inside. He's not worldly, but he, 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 he could think of worse places to be. When he gets inside, he's going to look to throw. And watch this. This is very, very unusual. It's, 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 I would say it's almost unique. He looks to throw two with the same hand. So whether it's a double hook, double left, uppercut. He'll aim, I believe, to try and get Dillian to block or open the guard from the inside. If you want, I'm not sure if I'm explaining this in the best way. But basically to open himself up from within. And then he allows that fast left uppercut upstairs or down below to put water in the basement looks for Dillian to break his rhythm to break his guard break his style and then that massive overhand right is nasty it is as nasty as they come but he is a little more awkward than most he won't slip left this is the thing right when he wants to throw that overhand right he likes to slip but he doesn't slip left which most fighters like to do he tends to slip right first and then throw the overhand right which leaves the opponent blinded a little bit because he's watching what the hands are going, he's following his line of vision. So because he's following the slipping left, he's following left and then all of a sudden, bang. And as we know, it's the shots you don't see that do the most harm. Expect Dillian to go through the trenches. Expect him to have some moments of absolute heartache, pain, suffering. I don't think Povetkin at this point of his career, and I could be wrong, and I hope, I, I well, I want Dillian White to win this fight. I believe he's... Next, this is it. This is it for him now. I think these next couple of fights are what he's built himself up to be. He's got himself in shape. He's not allowed any distractions. He's not allowed anybody to penetrate that bubble that he's created in that little Winnebago and everything else. His, pre- his preparations have been meticulous. I think he will, dis- He will, if all things are as they seem, I think he'll deliver a performance following on from that of the Rivas fight and put himself in prime position to fight an unbelievable fight against, I believe, Tyson Fury. But the beauty of the heavyweights, the big, 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 unique selling point is that one shot ends it all. And it can, has done, and could well do. We'll have to watch and see. That's about it for me and them until then. Thanks very much for listening. It took a little bit longer than I had planned originally, but we're still under the hour. Enjoy your weekend. Keep the head right. Tricky, tough times. I know Hinkletary here were gone for another two weeks stint. Thank you, Mr. Uh, Michal Martin. But look, we're going to enjoy our boxing. We're going to get headlong into the next week's card already. Stay safe. Stay sane. Smile. All's well that ends well.